You are listening to Veggie Doctor Radio, and this is episode number 118. Hey, I'm your host, Dr. Yami. I'm a board-certified pediatrician, certified health and wellness coach, author, and speaker. I'm also a passionate promoter of the power of diet and lifestyle in preventing and reversing chronic disease and bringing joy and longevity into our lives. This podcast is focused on plant-based nutrition, habit formation, motivation, and mindset so that you can have the tools to live the best life possible. Are you ready to get started? Let's do this. And of course, they need guardians. Of course, we do want to have safe havens for them. Of course, we want to make sure our children are, are, are safe. But that needs to be balanced with, you know, uh, um, not being overprotective, not being bulldozer parents. Well, hello, veggie lovers. Welcome back to Veggie Doctor Radio for another bonus episode of Veggie Doctor Radio in the pediatric series. This is the next to last episode in the pediatric series. I'm so sad because it's been so awesome. And I really, really, really hope that you've been loving this series and that you've learned a lot. This episode, guys, uh, it is magnificent. You're going to love it. You're going to be so inspired. My guest is Daryl Edwards, who is a movement coach. He's also a play expert. Yes, you heard that right is a grown man who is an expert in play. Play is so important for us, specifically unstructured free play, but how to integrate movement into our daily lives. He has lots of great tips for us. And he says, play, it's instinctive. It's part of our DNA. It's there. A lot of us adults have lost a sense of play, but unfortunately our children have too. And this is not beneficial for us because play is really integral to our development, to our growth, to our ability to solve problems. You're going to hear all about that when I talk to Daryl. But before I tell you about Daryl Edwards' Please know that I have lots of free resources available at dryami.com forward slash free. If you are looking for resources, if you're looking for guides, if you want to learn more about a plant-based diet, I even have some things on there about zero waste swaps for those of you that are trying to reduce the waste in your life. So environmental friendly tips, a plant-based shopping list, lots of goodies. So dryami.com forward slash free. Also, I want to thank everybody who has purchased and read a copy of my book, A Parent's Guide to Intuitive Eating, How to Raise Kids Who Love to Eat Healthy. I am so grateful for all of you that have read it and have told you how much it has helped you, not just helping your children make food choices and help feeding your children, but also with your own body image, with your own approach to food. That just warms my heart, makes me so happy. I am so glad that I've been helpful. So if you haven't already purchased a copy, 
or check it out from your library as well. If your library doesn't carry it, request it. It's called A Parent's Guide to Intuitive Eating, How to Raise Kids Who Love to Eat Healthy. It is available on paperback, ebook, and audiobook, which I narrated myself. So thank you so much. Also, don't forget to subscribe to my podcast so you don't miss any episodes. I am putting out lots of bonus episodes. I really hope that they've been helpful. Send me an email. Please, I would love to know. Yami at dryami.com. Have you loved these episodes? Yes or no? What do you want to see more of at Veggie Doctor Radio as we enter the fourth year? So Veggie Doctor Radio is about to celebrate three years entering the fourth year of shows. So thank you so much for being a loyal listener. I couldn't do this without you. So let's talk about Daryl Edwards. He lives in London, and he is a movement coach. He's also the author of the best-selling book, Animal Moves, and is a thought leader in the area of creativity and innovation in fitness and health. He developed the primal play method to inspire others to make physical activity fun while getting healthier and more robust in the process. He has a very inspiring story, lots of great things to say, and probably some things that might make you realize that we need to do things a little bit differently when we raise our children. Are we being helicopter parents or the new bulldozer parenting that I hadn't even heard of yet? Do we need to let our children explore and play more for their own benefit? Maybe we do. So let's take a listen and see what you think. And I hope that you enjoy this episode of Veggie Doctor Radio. Hello, Daryl Edwards. It is such a pleasure to have you on Veggie Doctor Radio. I cannot wait to get started on your story and all of the awesome information that you have to tell us. But before we get into the nitty gritty, I just want to know how in the world you became a play researcher when you used to be an investment banking computer programmer, I'm sure sitting on your bottom for hours on end. How did this happen? Yes. So I, let me just give you, give you a bit of background to my previous career. Definitely sitting a lot, 16 to 18 hours a day, every single day, building systems for for, for brokers, people to, people to make lots of money. Um, and then I get some of the loose change. So I was making quite a lot of money doing a job that only a handful of people could do around the world. Uh, and I was getting, you know, the bank was getting their pound of flesh. Let's put it that way. <laughs> so one of the side benefits was having a really comprehensive annual health check that was paid, that was paid for. Um, and it was like a half a day to a full day of pretty invasive tests. So from, from blood tests, you know, kind of blood panels, ECGs were run, so you know, kind of heart, heart checks, stress testing. And one year I was told, Mr. Edwards, you're pre-diabetic, you're one marker away from full-blown type two diabetes, uh, you're, you have chronic hypertension, chronic high blood pressure, and you also have, um, uh, oh, what else do I have? So pre-diabetic, uh, hypertension, 
and also problems with my cholesterol. So I had a really poor lipid profile, elevated triglycerides and the like. And the, the recommendation when I queried, well, hold on a second, I'm quite young. What, what, what do you mean I have all of these issues? Uh, they said, oh, it's not, it's not a problem. You can take some statins for your cholesterol problem, some beta blockers for your high um, blood pressure, and you can take some metformin to control your blood sugars, your blood glucose. And I went, okay, that's great. When can I start? But more importantly, how long do I need to be on these meds for? Indefinitely, forever. Oh, okay, that doesn't sound so good. And at that moment, all I remember thinking to myself was exercise I knew could help with managing blood pressure. So I thought to myself, you know what, let me try exercising because I'm not doing any of that at the moment. And let's see what happens. So I joined a gym, I started exercising, and my blood pressure came down to normal levels, optimal levels, in fact. Um, but also, interestingly, my, my blood glucose levels came down to normal, and also my lipid profile improved. So the next time I saw my doctor, which was sort of 30 days later for the, for the initial test, but I saw him for two to three months after the initial screening and was told, things are looking great. Um, who are you getting your who are you getting your prescription meds from? Because you haven't been to me, you know, to get got them from me. And I'm like, oh no, I'm not taking any meds. I, I, you know, this has all been through me exercising. And my doctor said, well, hey, let's continue to monitor you for the next 12 months. And I said, yes, please do so. And if there are any changes, if there are any concerns, I'm happy to, to take the meds. So that was the start of my journey. Um, and I changed my diet and I changed my lifestyle on the back of that. And I wanted to maintain good Good health. And a few years later, I just remember thinking to myself, even though I've had this remarkable transformation, there's something not quite right. I started to, you know, regret, you know, booking a gym session. I started to put it off. You know, the next Monday would be the, the ideal day to, to do my next gym session. Um, it was very difficult to motivate myself. I started to clock watch whilst I was in the gym. I started to, to really not enjoy the process. I only enjoyed the end result. And as the end result became the normal, you know, things were better, there was nothing to strive for. Mm. So, so that became a bit, that was a bit of an anticlimax. So there was no joy. I didn't enjoy movement or physical activity. Um, and I certainly found out that I found that I was taking my competitive spirit from my day job into a gym environment um, and it just didn't suit it just didn't suit me it just didn't it was, wasn't engaging once I decided that I wanted to shift career once people started to ask me advice and I recognized that I needed to get some sort of qualifications and, and coaching and, and, and being mentored to be able to do that I realized that I didn't want to have elite clients I didn't want to have the sort of clients that I was working with within my banking sector. I wanted to cater for your average Joe or Jane, which meant I had to make movement more appealing and exciting. So my eureka moment was when I remember the last time I enjoyed movement as an adult was probably dancing in a nightclub. Loved it, enjoyed it, could do it all night. Didn't, didn't think about the time. Prior to that was probably as a kid, as a youngster, playing all day, not exercising, not training, but just enjoying the expression of movement with my friends, 
outside more often than not and just having a great time. So I wanted to try to recreate that as an adult. I wanted to take that playful essence, my inner child, so to speak, but be able to realize that as an adult. And that's when my, my relationship, my kind of love-hate relationship with physical activity or exercise became a love relationship with movement. Mm-hmm. And Primer Play, my system or method of movement, Primer Play was born out of that. How can we move naturally, instinctively, universally for health in a way that will bring you joy, not just at the end of the, the session, but throughout the entire process. And so that's what Primal Play was really about, our evolutionary driver for movement. Yeah. Blended with play psychology to make it fun and, and sustainable. And finally, using modern science to validate mm-hmm. you know, what, was, what is more than a philosophy. So, so how do we benefit physiologically you know, how is movement medicine? Not only why, you know, is it good for us, but what are the underlying mechanisms that are activated that produce these healthful results? So that's a sort of a, you know, a 15, 16 year journey (laughs) of my old world, remaining in banking for several years, deciding to transition out, and then asking myself, well, what am I going to do? What am I going to do with this? this newfound relationship with movement and how can I share this with others and that's what I've been trying to do so the very staid serious individual with a three-piece suit you know with cufflinks and nice shoes in banking who now who now wears a lot of t-shirts and training shoes and spends a lot of time in the park climbing trees and balancing on benches and doing all sorts of crazy crazy bits and pieces but that, that transition not only was remarkable because of my own health journey, but secondly, how easy it was for me to, con- not to convince others, but to demonstrate to other people that it's possible for you mm-hmm. too, that you don't need to, to live in a gym to realize your health benefits, that you can become more childlike without being childish, you know, um, and you don't have to patronize yourself or engage in childish behaviors in order for you to embrace your inner child. So yeah, that's, you asked for it. And that's (laughs) what I just gave you. (laughs) I love it. No, I love how you are a natural problem solver, which makes sense because of your former career was a lot of it was probably problem solving. So you were presented with this. Okay. You've got pre-diabetes, cholesterol is high, blood pressure is high. And you're like, okay, what else can I do besides take medicines for the rest of my life. I'm going to try this lifestyle change. It worked. Then you're like, you know, I'm kind of getting bored. I don't feel motivated or or I get overly competitive and it's this not good for me. There has to be a different way. And I love how you got to that point and you started thinking, you started being curious about, well, how can I approach this in a more joyful way? Because a lot of us just stop there and either stop altogether and don't go back to the gym and just go back to our old lifestyle, or we just force ourselves to do something that may not be quite as fun for us. So I love how you took it to that next level. How can we make it fun? And I also yes. call it that too. I call it joyful movement because I feel like, you know, I'm in the United States, you're in the UK, but here I feel like we do a lot of the times think of 
exercise as this torture in order to earn chocolate cake or in order to burn <laughs> off the pizza you ate. You know, we don't think mm. of it as like, it can be fun. It can be in of itself a delight, yes. you know, to want to do. So yes. let's go back to this concept of play though, because I also feel like this is kind of in some ways very anti-American. Like we are not playful sometimes. We're like work, work, work. And then mm. it's like you said, then we get to the opposite end and like play maybe too hard sometimes. So what is play and why is it important? So, yeah, I mean, a couple of things around, around play. Uh, a quote that's often attributed to Einstein is that play is the highest form of research. And so that, I suppose, is, is one way of looking at play, is that it actually is a superset. It's actually more powerful than work because play enables you to be creative. It enables you to remove barriers and limits. It's what delights children from a very young age. There's a time in their lives where the only thing that exists is play. That's mm -hmm. all. E even food is secondary. You know, yeah. like, yeah, yeah, forget about eating. I just want to play. If I could just play all day and never get to, never go to sleep, that's all that I, <laughs> that I would do. And it's a quality that isn't just human. That exists within the animal, the animal kingdom at, at, at large. It's instinctive. It's part of our DNA. And so, so one, it's recognizing that play is innate, recognizing that we do have these ludic genes, these play-based genes that are part of us. And finally, recognizing that not only is it a part of our physical and emotional and social and cognitive development as a youngster, but it's also something that enables us to be human. You know, it, it, it enabled us to be more inventive and imaginative, sourcing food, finding new habitats, to be able to explore the world, to be able to solve problems, as we mentioned, as we mentioned earlier. So as, we, as uh, we were able to make decisions around what-if scenarios, so humans have this capability, unlike other animals that are just driven by instinct. We have this ability to say, do you know what? Maybe we can improve this process. What if? What if we did this? Let's take calculated risks rather than just taking risks. All of those behaviors are formed usually in childhood. Mm -hmm. Children gravitate towards risky play behaviors, not because they're told to do so, because they're driven to do so. And in the absence of adults, that's what children tend to do. Adventurous, risky, calculated risk, free play. Let us do what we want to do in the environment that we're in. That's what children want, want to do. So that's, a, that's another long-winded way of, of, of answering that question. To satisfy those who really want to be, to intellectualize what play is about. Another great definition that Stuart Brown uses in his book called Play is that the opposite of play is not work. The opposite of play is depression. Mm. And for those who are like, well, what does that really mean? What it means is if you take away play, you take away all forms of creativity. You take away comedy, the arts, yes. laughter, you know, uh, this is, you know, expression. This is what you, this is what we lose 
in the absence of play. Social bonding. You know, when dogs play fight or play chase, they don't necessarily know each other. But for that moment in time, they bond socially in order to play that game. And then they go about their ways. Two different owners on a leash, they come together, they decide, you know what, we're not gonna actually fight, we're gonna play fight instead. You know what, we're not gonna chase each other to cause harm, we're gonna chase each other because it's fun. And then they separate. Similar with kids playing. When it's the true essence of play in, the, in its purest form, that's what it does. It fosters communication. It fosters social and emotional intelligence. And that's what it, that's what it does. So the hormones that are activated, the feel-good hormones, like oxytocin. So oxytocin is, is, uh, is manifested through touch, through physical touch, the hug hormone or the cuddle hormone as it's known. But it's also activated through eye contact, through communication, through problem solving within a group setting. That's activated. Um, endorphins. So endorphins, which we often associate with the runner's high. So what happens post-activity? So endorphins are a natural analgesic, a natural pain killer. And endocannabinoids are precursors to that. And through play, it's activated throughout the process. So you start to feel good immediately, not at the end of the strenuous exertion or strenuous activity. You actually feel great right away. And when you have movement in combination with someone else, so when you're partnering, when you're problem solving together, hey, do you reckon we can climb that tree? Hey, do you reckon I can get you on my back and we can do a piggyback? Do you think we can jump across that stream? All of those activities that involve conversation and involve working together to achieve a result, playing together, I should say, mm -hmm. to achieve an objective, that activates endorphins. Serotonin, one of the other feel-good hormones, the happy hormone, that's also activated in abundance when it comes through play. So I suppose my definition of play is really saying, one, it's an essential aspect of, of humanity, for, for one, as well as the rest of the animal kingdom. Secondly, many adults are play-deprived. Mm -hmm. But unfortunately now, especially in the 21st century, many of our children are play-deprived. Yes. And much of that is because of not only societal pressure, but, but also pressure from parents uh, um, as, as well. And, and, and it isn't just about times have changed. The world is no, not as safe as it was. A lot of it is also just what parents don't feel comfortable allowing their children to do, even though they may have had that childhood of free play and free range, uh, free ranging. As adults, we decide, you know what? I want to see Johnny all of the time. I want a helicopter parent. I want a bulldozer parent. I want to remove or eliminate all risk. I don't want them climbing on the jungle gym because they might hurt themselves. I don't want them to play jump rope because they might cut their knees. I don't want them to play tag because tag's violent. They might hurt each other. They might confuse it with actual fighting rather than just chasing each other around the playground. So, so we've now got this world of play deprivation. We've now got this world of children uh, having increasing mental health issues and increased emotional health issues because of this lack of emotional development that can only come through play, I suppose. Yeah. So, so yeah, I mean, I can talk a lot <laughs> about play and the importance of play. Um, and I would certainly say that we know when we, we know when it's absent. Yeah. 
Yeah. That's what we that's what we know. We know it instinctively when we don't see it. When children aren't playing, we can see it. When somebody is depressed, we can recognize this. When we look at two dogs who are actually fighting for real, we can we can see the difference in, in their behavior. And when you look at the behavior of prison inmates, there's been lots of play psychology on this. Lots of prison inmates, usually the most violent of offenders, when you look at their play histories, a lot of those offenders had very little play or almost non-existent. So, you know, toys were removed. They weren't allowed to play. It was used as a form of punishment of suppressing mm. play. And, and, and so there's a, a significant part of their adaptation to the world around them, resolving conflict, for example, being able to deal with real-life situations. That, 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 were, that were absent. And there's several decades worth of research in that, in that area. So the good news is, just as we're, oh, I'm interested in the science of movement and why it is so beneficial for us, I'm also just as interested in the science of play. And so my initial interaction with play of just mimicking childlike games and doing it as an adult became far more serious when I realized, oh, there are all these other benefits that come from this mindset. There were all these other benefits that, are, that were part of our evolution and have made us the, the, the creatures that we, that we are. Uh, um, and it isn't just because we're humans. It's actually because all animals have this ability. The youngest of children will blow bubbles with their mouth, will make sounds that they realize are, are not about communication. Mm-hmm. They're about what sounds good and fun to them. You know, that, that happens from the you know a few days <laughs> a few days after birth that mechanism is is enabled before anything else that exists that become is far more advanced of human behavior play exists at the earliest the yeah. earliest of, 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 of moments of of being in, in in this world so so yes it's 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 fascinating it's incredible and my own personal de- definition is that play is not the activity it's one's attitude. Mm-hmm. So it's your approach, it's your mindset to a particular activity that makes it playful. Yeah. And I was even thinking whenever you were talking about it earlier about how you were thinking about your workout coming out, coming, you know, soon. And you're like, oh, I don't want to do that. So a lot of it too is about anticipation. Like, you know, I have children and when they get together with their friends and they're planning stuff, they're already feeling the pleasure of planning for those play moments, for those play events. But I I do want to add, because I am a pediatrician and I'm a mother, and the combination of those two things is probably not good for for boys. (laughs) Whenever you're talking about how they progressively get more, you know, risky in their choices, it's so true. And here I am as a pediatrician, my heart's about to stop. One day we were at the park and my son was at the top of this tree. And I am telling you, it was high, okay? Like several stories mm. high. And there was people gathered, like strangers. And I'm like, what is everybody looking at? And I look up and it's my son. And I'm like, get down. You know, I just, yeah. there's no way. I was like, I, no, you have to get down from there. So I know yeah. what that feels like with children. And I let them be, you know, one of the things that I talk about with families is to set up your household as a play-friendly environment. So I learned Mm. this very early on because thankfully my older son has taught me 
that you're, you know, when you have little kids, you're not going to have your breakable stuff out. You're not going to have, because the all day long, you're going to be saying, <laughs> no, put that back, sit down, don't move, don't run. Yes. So yes. I was like, I can't play. I can't um, fight that anymore. I'm just going to change my environment so that they can run so that they can yes. chase. We even had like plasma cars inside the house so that they could chase each other in their little cars inside the house. Uh, and everybody's stress level went down because yes. I wasn't worried that they were going to break things. So <laughs> when you yes. feel that kids start losing that sense of play, like on average, I know that it starts pretty young when mm. as a society, as a culture, are we starting to kind of restrict kids and they start to get more sedentary? Yeah. So, I mean, I think it's, it's, unfortunately I feel it's, it's pretty much at the toddler stage now mm -hmm. because now we have activities that are structured that we can take our toddlers to. So, so that's, it's, it's probably not so much about, it's, it's about the type of play that children are now engaging in. So play has, has shifted from an unsupervised, unstructured free play to much more structured, supervised, and sort of planned activities. And, and I think that's the difference. And, as, and I suppose much safer activities yeah. and much more coached activities. So usually adults are telling kids, this is how you do this. This is how you need to be to get better and improve at this. And, and the backdrop tends to be sports-related activities. So, you know, we reckon you're going to be the footballer or the basketballer or the tennis star. So we'll get you playing tennis at two years old because you seem to love picking up, picking up sticks. Maybe we should pick up a racket instead. And so, so, I, so that's what I think the shift, where the shift has gone. And, and so ch parents may still feel satisfied that their kids are getting in a lot of activity. Oh, well, my kids, every day they're doing something. They're in different classes. They're experiencing a whole smorgasbord of activities. What parents are not, I suppose, are failing to realize or, or underappreciating is um, how many of those activities should be based on what the children are deciding that they want to do. Not just to impress adults, but to actually be self-absorbed for them to understand how they can fight boredom, how can, they can be creative, how, how they can work with, with nothing, how they can be enticed more with the real world than what's on a screen. So, so, you know, if they learn at a very young age that the most fascinating aspect of the world around them is what's on a screen, that's what they're, go that's what they're going to have an affinity for as they get older. Um, I remember my niece, is probably, she's probably the, you know, she's now about 12, 13 years old. I remember I bought my niece this amazing sort of, you know, my first laptop, you know, one of those really cool pieces of technology. And she was probably about sort of five, four, five years old. And I was like, I was so excited. Oh, uncle spent lots of money on this, my first laptop. And, you know, it can teach you to recite the alphabet and it's going to be great for your education and Etc. Etc. Et and I remember saying, you know, look, let's set this up. You know, I was so excited about it. And she spent the Christmas. It was a Christmas day. She spent the rest of that Christmas day playing with the box that it came in, <laughs> and, and you know, cutting it up 
and creating all these different shapes. And initially I was kind of like upset, like, I can't believe you've cut the box, you know? And I was complaining to my sister, like, look what she's done, you know? She does, she's not respecting what I've, you know, all the money I've spent, you know? And then, but then I was like, hold on a second. Oh, she's, she's not, she doesn't care. I, I was trying to force her to use this device. She looked at it and was like, oh yeah, yeah. Twiddle a few buttons, push it to one side. And she's like, no, this is more interesting. I can create, I can use my imagination. I can speak to my imaginary friends. I can tell, you know, the adults around me, look what I've created. Look what I've, look where I've spent my time. And, and I think a lot of that is, a lot of that is missing. So whether it's individual play or structured play, that, you know, or unsupervised play, I should say, or, or, or free play, a lot of that has been relegated to, that's something we used to do when we had no money generations ago when our parents didn't really, you know, didn't have anything for us to do apart from get outside and play, <laughs> you know, so we've just gone full tilt to like, now we can give our kids everything. Yes. Now we can give them, you know, now we can give them everything and we can keep them safe and they can wear, wear hazmat suits when they go out and high visibility jackets when they're, when they're playing in the local park with other kids where there's lots of, you know, where they're with their teachers, you know, so when they're, the, they're in a really in a gated community where everything is really safe, but that's not safe enough. They've got to literally be, you know, almost chained together by a rope and and not allowed to move outside of their like one square yard of of space that's that's the only place where you're safe so i don't know i just think we've we've just shifted too far yeah and and then we then we're surprised when children seem to have issues with resilience and being robust and and not being able to deal with with you know real life issues which tend to be about disappointment and do tend to be about evaluating risk and about, about making appropriate decisions and being able to resolve conflict. So, so we can't always expect adults to be there to resolve conflict. Yeah. And if you have children, that's all they've ever seen. That's all they've ever had. What happens when adults aren't there, when they're a little bit older? No adults, no one to fix this, no one to solve this. Let's solve this ourselves. We don't know how. Yeah. There's going to be an increase in bullying. There's going to be an increase in self-harm there's going to be an increase in mental health issues because those tools were not built. And those tools, unfortunately, cannot be imparted by other individuals. That's, that's something that's, that um, we don't realize as a society. That's what comes when you don't allow children to perform some of those individual roles. We don't allow, enable some trust for them to make the right decisions. And of course, they need guardians. Of course, we do want to have safe havens for them. Of course, we want to make sure our children are, are, are safe. But that needs to be balanced with, you know, uh, um, not being overprotective, mm-hmm. not being bulldozer parents, which I think is now the latest term. Helicopter parenting is, was so kind of noughties. Uh, now in the 2020s, it's like bulldozer parenting, which means not only do I want to make sure my children are safe, I'm going to make sure they never even see a hazard. They, you know, that every, I'm going to bulldoze every single problem outside of their life so that the only thing they see is that everything is good and rosy and safe. And I'm going to make sure I, I provide that environment for them. So, so yes, I, on the one hand, as a parent myself, my, pet, my children have grown up now, but I do remember my, my daughter at 11 years old. And I remember her asking me 
when she was going to be going to high school or secondary school, as we say here. And I remember her saying to me at 11, so dad, how am I going to get to school? You know, my new school. And I was like, mm, it's about three or four miles away. And I was like, I wonder what I'm going to do. I'm going to let her go to school the first day of school by herself. So I remember saying to her, like, oh, I'm not sure if I feel comfortable doing that. So I remember saying to her, I tell you what, during the summer holidays, you're going to work out how to get to school. You know, what bus you need to take, what, what metro you need to take, what subway you need to take, where you need to walk from to get to school safely. And so she's like, okay, dad, I'm ready to do it. I've worked out the route. I know exactly where to go. And so what I did was I was like, you know what, I'm going to follow her because I, you know, I, didn't feel, I didn't feel comfortable doing it. And I, and I, you know, she didn't see me, she wasn't aware, but that's what I did. And then the fir her first day of school, she went by herself. She was very safe, very independent. And, and so I, I, I feel, you know, she's probably one of the last generation of kids that was even able to do that. If I tried to do that now with an 11 year old, I'd get a phone call from the school on day one saying, you're negligent. We might need to call child services how could you let your daughter come to school by herself, you know, on public transport um, and walk for 10, 10 minutes from the bus stop to the school? That, how, could, how could you, Mr. Edwards? So, yeah, so I, I could talk about it forever. And, and yeah. we do know certain, even in the US, there are states like Utah now and other states that have passed the Free Range, what's known as the Free Range Act. So, so, so there are... There are districts and localities that are starting to revise some of what uh, the structure there is around what children should be permitted to do. Mm -hmm. You know, should children be able to play in their back garden without parents watching, without parents being concerned that social services are going to be called or child support services are going to be called? That probably should be safe, right? Most parents would say that should be okay. They're in the back garden. Um, what's the worst that can? What's the worst that can happen? You know, um, so yeah, so there are there are there are measures and movement moves to 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 create some sort of balance, um, yeah. and I think we definitely need that's something that we definitely need to need to look at. That's so insightful, and you know what came to my mind is that play is practice; it's practice for life. And so, whenever we're limiting this unstructured or this free play, we are limiting our child's ability to practice real life situations and emotions, conflicts, things like that. I say the exact same thing about food because I'm very passionate about food and intuitive eating and learning to trust your child. But in that process, as you trust your child, they get to practice making food choices so that then they trust themselves and become confident in their choices. It seems mm. to me like this play is the same. You know, whenever we we give them a little trust and we let them outside of our <laughs> tight ropes, then they learn some lessons for life, which will become important as they grow up and get older, even when it's anxiety provoking for us. But uh -huh, no, I yes. understand exactly what you're saying. One time <laughs> uh, I left my child in the car. I think he was probably like 10 at the time. It wasn't summer. It wasn't like it was too hot or anything like that. Okay. It was like a regular mm. day. The windows were down. And as I came out to the car, a lady came up to me and, and was like, is your child old enough to be in the car by himself? And I'm like, I literally went into the store to grab something, you know? So mm. it, it's hard for parents because we do know that we are being watched 
and potentially yes. shamed by other parents. And so sometimes yes. we make decisions because we're so anxious about what other people think about us or how they're going to judge us. So it can be mm. a little bit tough for parents out there, but I'm totally hearing you. I think that we do need to swing that pendulum more towards the middle. But tell me yes. how we yes. can start to do this. So we know our kids are sedentary. We know we need yes. to move more for lots of different reasons, for the brain, for the body. What can we do as parents, as families, to start to encourage more movement, more of this joyful movement, more of this playful movement in our kids? Yeah. So, you know, I think there's a, there's a few things we need to we need to be aware of. I think the first for sure is we have to become passionate about the importance of movement for our kids. And, and, and that passion isn't just about scheduling lots of extracurricular activities, after school activities. This passion has to be, it should be a significant and pivotal, pivotal part of their child's day. So how do we, how can I get there? Just be aware of a few, two or three headline st statistics. So one, and this pretty much applies to the UK and the US, but the US has far more, far worse a problem in relation to this. So 75% of children in the UK spend less time outdoors than prison inmates. Mm. 75%. And okay. that's far higher. It's something like about 90% in the US. Okay, so we recognize, we like being number one over here, you know. You yes, you do <laughs> in, so many, <laughs> in so many ways, and not all of them, not all of them, the best ways. Um, but you know, we recognize the importance of physical activity for our prisoners. I, I mean, and, and let's face it, some of our prisoners are in very harsh, you know, conditions. But even within within those har harsh, primitive conditions, we recognize that it's important for their health to have an hour outside to do what they, you know, to do something, usually physical activity, usually exercise, right? We don't value our children that much. We cut down recess time. We don't enable safe spaces for our children. That's the first. Second, when it comes to risk, you know, I'm really concerned about risk. Compared to a generation ago, there are more children admitted to ER Three times as many admitted to ER falling out of bed than falling out of a tree. So just sit with that for a second. Just listen to that for a second or stand even, to, you know, <laughs> like three times as many kids fall out of bed. Okay. And we're not talking bunk beds. We're not talking like beds you need a ladder to climb into. These are your standard everyday beds. Children don't even know how to fall safely. There's no rough and tumble play. They don't take part in those activities. That's how far we've gone. The third and probably the most important is children under five should be getting 180 minutes per day, three hours a day of physical activity. And that's not like a little bit here and there. That's continuous activity, vigorous activity, jumping, climbing, running, crawling, like the most incredible exertion available to, to, to those under five-year-olds. Many of them aren't getting that. 80% of children globally, globally, so it's not just a US problem or Western, Western problem, 80% of children globally 
fail to meet the physical activity guidelines. And they're minimums. We're not talking about what's ideal for our kids. Mm -hmm. So firstly, be alarmed and be shocked about that. Secondly, what can we do to make things better? You need to, you know, children just need to be moving when they're not resting, <laughs> when they're not eating, and when they're not doing their, their school activities, schoolwork. Apart from that, they should, be, they should be moving. Decrease screen time. They shouldn't be using screens as a babysitter. We shouldn't be doing that. TV shouldn't be performing that role. Get them to do something involving activity in their bedrooms, if it has to be in, inside in their rooms, you know, in a playroom, outdoors. Get them to be, to be moving. Get them to experience the environment around them. Involve yourselves if you have to. If you have to supervise them because you feel you have to be taking playing part, then be role models for them. A role model is not just walking behind them, watching them do whatever they're doing. Take part. Show them that it's fun to be involved with movement. You know, do the housework with the music on. Get them to help you. Get them to dance with you. You know, something like that. Show them that it's fun to perform some of these mundane activities that no, really, no one really wants to do. But, but by presenting them in that way, that's something else that can be done. And probably the third point is don't let sports be, become the, um, the hero, the her hero or heroine of physical activity. In other words, your children aspire to be those individuals. And, that, and so the only way they can get there is by going, being really good at sports or being very physically literate or gifted. If they focus on movement, then their heroes or heroines will, will be superheroes, right? Then you can, you can climb like Spider-Man, then you can jump, but you can't physically do that, but that's what's in your imagination. Because again, you're play, it's, that's what you're doing when, when it comes to play. So, so I would say, let children do the natural movement patterns that they were designed to do. Create safe havens for them. So when they are climbing, if you don't want them to climb over, climb over your, your furniture, <laughs> don't say, don't climb, stop climbing. Give them a space, give them an option to be able to climb, to be able to take risk. Make sure it's something that they can evaluate for themselves. Is this, is this okay for me to do this or not? And why isn't, why isn't it? So like your, the example of your son climbing that tree and just, he could probably feel as if he could go on forever. Again, there should be a point where he's going, actually, there's a problem once I get to a certain height. Because it's not about getting up there. It's about, it's about, getting, it's about getting down, right? So, so <laughs> that, that's what's important. Um, yes, so we need to create an environment that enables our kids. We need to create an environment which is fun. Um, I probably will use this opportunity um, to talk about products that I have. I've created cards, playing cards, called the Animal Moves Decks that enables families to play games without using technology, an analog form of, of, of play, where you can almost like tag team, okay, oh, I've just picked the, the bear crawl card. You know, let's crawl together. You know, let's talk about the habitat the animal came from. Let's talk about how they move, why they move on all fours. Can you mimic this animal? It's unfortunate I've got to create products like that because if you go back a few generations, children would have been doing that themselves. Mm -hmm. You know, they wouldn't have to be told, hey, move like an animal. It's really interesting. Let's do some yoga together, right? They'll be like, no, I don't want to do yoga. I just want to move like an animal. I want to be like a cheetah. 
I want to, you know, climb like a monkey and pretend to be a horse or whatever it may be, swing a trunk like an elephant. I just want to do that because I want to see and mimic the animal, the rest of the animal kingdom. So, so yeah, those are a few, those are a few kind of pointers to enable an environment for them, which encourages movement, to be shocked at the state of, of physical inactivity and sedentary living. Because if you're shocked, then you're more likely to take action and go, whoa, 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 I need to do something about this for myself and for my kids. The last point, modeling. Mm -hmm. Children, wherever they are in the world, they will do, copy, mimic, whatever they see other adults doing. Usually it's their parents. So if you take them to the doctors, one day you'll see them playing doctor and nurses. They'll do that. They'll pretend to be school teachers. You know, if you're exercising, they will pretend to exercise. They will do, they will do that. If you spend lots of time on a screen, on a smartphone, on a tablet, that's what they will want to do. So parents cannot absolve themselves of the responsibility and just say, Johnny or Jane, go ahead and do what I'm telling you to do. <laughs> you have to model the behavior so that they see that it's something important. So the last thing that I want to say about this, don't use the E word. The E word is the exercise word, <laughs> right? Because as soon as you mention exercise to your kids, you're likely to say things like, oh, I'm really sore after the exercise session. Mm -hmm. I was really beat up. I'm in so much pain. I'm not looking forward to that. Oh my goodness, I've got to run for charity and, and raise all this money because I, I can post it on my social media to say <laughs> how great I am. Right? That, that, that's the impression that they're going to have about the E word. Kids, let's go out and play. Kids, let's play a game. Let's have some fun. What would you like to do? You create a game. I'll be your climbing frame. Climb over daddy. You know, we'll, we'll, you can, yeah, we'll, we'll swing you around. We'll, we'll throw you around. We'll, we'll interact with you to create this safe haven. But for them, they're just like, oh my goodness, look how risky and incredible an adventure this is. And mom and dad are, are actually involved. What's, hap what's happening? What's, you know, what, what is this? It's more enjoyable for them. It's more enjoyable for you. Yes. Yeah. So yes, loads no, of options there for that you. Was, that was definitely one of my questions too, is the importance of role modeling. Because I think we do get stuck in this trap where as parents, we're so busy we're distracted with our own things and we know we want our kids to move. We know that it's important, but we're like, yeah, 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 go play, go play. But we're stuck on our screens. We're stuck inside. And I just really have seen that whenever we're like, hey, let's all go. Let's go for a hike. Let's go for you know a bike ride. Let's do it together. It's so much easier to get the kids on board than whenever you tell them, just go do that while I sit over here doing this other thing. So role yes. modeling, I think, is very important. And it's, it's really enjoyable. I also like how you really made an emphasis to say that movement is for everyone. And I see this often, too. Like people get categorized, right? Like you're the sporty kid or you're the athletic kid or you're not. Mm. So then it's assumed mm. that if you're not in sports, then you're the bookworm or, you know, you're the computer person, whatever, you know? So, but it's true that not everybody's going to be into sports. Like I wasn't into sports when I was a kid because sports just don't interest me as much. Like it's mm. just not exciting to me, like to play a sport, but I love mm. movement and I love dancing mm. and I love, you know, doing things with my family. So yeah, I, in one way, 
I could have been the athletic kid if I would have known that there was a whole different world of movement that wasn't just sports. So I think it's really yes. important as parents that we point that out. It's not just about sports. Some kids love sports and thrive in sports and want to do sports. My younger one's like that. He's a basketball fanatic, but mm. other kids may not be. And it doesn't mean that they cannot move and do joyful movement. So thank you for bringing uh, that up. Yes. That's such an important point to, to, to stress and to, and to kind of validate. But yeah, movement is for everyone. So if you have a movement limitation, uh, you know, a restriction, mobility problem, you just move within the capacity, the ability that you have. I mean, that's really, that's really important. General, general movement patterns, big, inclusive, general movement patterns, that's what children should be gravitating towards. S highly skilled, fine motor patterns, I would argue, are less attractive to, to incorporate all children in. Uh, and 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 so again, going back decades ago, the 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 movement, I suppose, palette of movement available to children was very broad. Kids did lots of different things. Children now are being given almost like a refined diet of movement. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah, just go for you know, you can do some running. Yeah, you're going to be a baller. You can play some ball. You know, yeah, you're a gymnast. That's what you'll do, and we'll get yeah. you more hours, more gymna, gymnast time. You know, and, and and no, give them give them this really broad brush of movement. Make sure they're having lots of fun, and then that's what that's what they are attracted to do too. It's it's movement, mm -hmm. not just oh, I only just like gymnastics and that's it. Mm -hmm. I like all types of movement, and I don't feel I'm not the last one picked for a team because yeah. there's so many activities. I'm going to be good at something. I'm going to have a, a natural sway, something like yourself, you know, dancing, for example. Yeah, you didn't have to be an athlete. You enjoyed dancing. You know, um, I was a bit of a jack of all trades, certainly a master of none. But I was a geek, hence why I'm wearing glasses. That's why I became a computer scientist. That's, that was, that was my, my reality. I loved arcade games. You know, I, I loved it. Uh, um, and I made a good, a good living from it. But I also paid the price of, of, being, of being sedentary. So, so um, yeah, model for our kids, show them the delight and joy of movement, make movement purposeful. There's something else I think yes. is really important. If you're going for a shopping trip, uh, avoid convenience. There's a good one. So occasionally when you're doing something, some sort of leisure activity, recreational activity, or purposeful, like let's go to the store, you know, decide, you know, you may have heard, you know, park at the end of the parking lot and then walk to the mall, right? When you're buying things, you know what? Decide you're going to carry that stuff back to the car. Mm -hmm. It's amazing how that changes decisions about what's going to be purchased. We've got to carry this. You know, we're all going to carry this as a family. We're all going to lift this back. Like, really? Oh, this is really heavy, mom. I can't believe you're making me do this. Like, even that type of appreciation, like, yeah, this is what it really takes. You know, we can't always expect somebody else to perform that physical labor for us. And you can make it into a game. It doesn't have to be, I'm going to teach you a lesson, son or daughter. You know, you can make it, you can make it playful. So I'll tell you an example of a game that I play. Gamification. That's, that's another word to add. Gamification. Not about dopamine hits on smartphones again, on swiping. Create real-life gamification. My partner and I were walking in, uh, on, the, on my local high street. 
And uh, we'll play a game and we'll say, I wonder how many people we can pass whilst we're walking. You know, and we'll give each other, we'll give ourselves a point. If we pass someone and they're stationary, we'll give ourselves one point. If they're walking ahead of us and, and we pass them, we'll give ourselves five points. If somebody overtakes us, we'll deduct a point. And it's incredible. And, you know, we're bobbing it, you know, weaving in between people. You can't touch people. So you got to be really careful. And then before you know it, you've like, you know, your heart rate's up. You're kind of smiling. People don't have no idea what you're doing because it doesn't look like you're exercising. It just looks like you're in a bit of a rush and, and you, you have some interaction. But what a great game to play as a family with your kids. Like, hey, kids, just for the next 200 yards, you know, next 10 minutes, whatever. Let's see how many people we can pass. Okay, okay, you know, and it's, it's fun. Like, let's see how many bags we can carry without dropping it safely. We've got to get into the car. You can't ask for help. Let's see you can do it. How many bags can you carry? You know what, if it's too heavy for you, you can just pass it on to somebody else. Do you reckon you can carry some more? Yeah, okay, right, let's go, 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 go. Give it all to dad now, he can take it, you know, whatever. But you know, you can see how that, that sort of communication and that joy and that passion can become play, but you're also achieving all of these side benefits of like, oh, you know what, we just walked a mile and no one's complaining about it. No one's saying they're too tired. People are actually not have a grimace on their face. We know we're laughing and joking. We can't wait to get home now and, and look forward to, our, to, to a nice meal. And do you know, it's a completely different, it's a completely different attitude. And now my kids have grown up, but I do that with my nephews and nieces. So I'm that fun uncle who's like, uncle, do you want to play? And I'm like, yeah, we're going to play. <laughs> and, and I'll just tell you a quick funny story. So my nephews and nieces, they're always like, you know, uncle, uncle Dow, can you, you know, take us to the shop and, and buy some sweets, basically, is what they really want. And I'm always like, no, I'll get you a magazine or something, you know, like, there's, yeah, there's something you can build with this. And they're kind of like, nah, not interested. I've, look what <laughs> I've got here. Not interested in that. I've got a phone now, uncle. Oh, I'm like, okay. So I'm like, okay, yeah, I'll take it. I'll take you to the store. So one day I literally took them to about, we walked to about five or six shops, little corner shops, right? And I looked in and I was like, oh, there's nothing really in there. Let's go to the next one. And so we walked for about an hour, right? And we're like, we're walking on walls. I'm like, hey, do you reckon you can climb on that, jump over that, you know? I'm like, hey, look at that, you know, do you reckon you can? So we had all these little challenges on the way. And about, about a minute in, when we started walking, they were already complaining. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's just going to take forever. Oh, so they started playing these games. No complaint. Having fun. They're running, laughing, joking. We're almost on our way back. And they go, uncle, you didn't want to take us to buy anything, did you? You just wanted, <laughs> you just wanted us to do some exercise, <laughs> to, have some, to have some fun. But it was so much fun. Uh -huh. I mean, it wasn't like exercise. Like, we had so much fun. Can we do it again? And I'm like, you see, there, that was the secret. They didn't ask for their phones. They didn't want to get back home to play games. They were just seeing the streets. That's all we did, walking from one store to another. They didn't even want to go into the store. That shows that they weren't really interested in having sweets. It was just like something, to, something that they expect. You know, uncle's coming, he's going to spend some money on, on some candy, right? Yeah. So it was like, I literally pop my head in and go, oh, there's nothing in there for any of us. Okay, because they're like, yeah, we don't care. We just want to keep playing. <laughs> so it was so funny when they kind of, they, they twigged. They were kind of like, hold on, uncle. You almost fooled us. 
Oh, you know that's I mean? the best. But, yeah. No, I can see how that would totally work because obviously, you know, with kids, as soon as you start on something boring, like say you're on vacation and you have to walk from one place to another in a city and they're like, uh, it's hot and my knees hurt and my feet hurt and whatever. I could just see it like, okay, let's just go do a game. Let's see how many people we can pass. It can just change their mindset instantaneously because kids yes. are like that. They love yes. games. So I am yes. totally going to try that next time and I'll report <laughs> back to you and, and see how it works. Please That's do. great. Okay. I want Please one do. more set of tips because I think this comes up everywhere, especially where you live. But even mm. here, our weather is kind of mild, but we still have four seasons. And one thing that I hear a lot is, oh, well, you know, we can't move because it's snowing or it's too hot or it's raining. So what tips do you have that we can incorporate movement despite seasonal changes? Right. Um, I mean, come on. Like, okay. So, right. You dress appropriately. Yes. That's the first thing. Just make sure you're, you're, you're dressed for the elements is, is, is the first. If the weather really is that bad, if it's really so hot, you can't go outside, you don't go outside. You just create, you know, if you have air conditioning at home, then you just create a playful space at home. Uh, um, and same, similar for winter. I mean, if you can't, I mean, I think it's good to expose yourself to some degree to the elements. Of course, you don't want to, again, don't want to cause any harm. But, you know, snowball fighting is quite fun. Mm -hmm. You know, if you've got to clear, I mean, again, like if you've got to clear the path of snow, why not make that into a game? Like, I mean, why not? You just see so many adults like, oh, I've got to shuffle this snow and the kids are inside, you know, like, can we go outside? No, no, it's too cold. Like, get the kids out, place, hey, you know what? Let's build a snowman. Right? But if we get, before we build a snowman, we've got to clear this snow. You know, that's why we're doing this. Not because we've got to clear the path so I can drive to work, <laughs> but actually so we can build a snowman. So, yeah, I, I would just say use the elements in a way that still provides joy regardless of the season. That helps them appreciate what's possible and not, you know, in, within those environments. Okay, we can only go out for 10 minutes. You know, your hands are really cold. Then we're going to rush inside and get in front of a warm fire. And have a nice hot drink. You know, I think you can, I don't want to say romanticize, but I, I think about the four seasons as a kid in, in that light. That's what I think about. In the autumn or in the fall, we would play conkers. I, I don't know. I'm not sure if that was, I don't think that was played in the US, but nope, you know, <laughs> yeah. So literally, you know, you, uh, oak trees, they would drop these like chestnuts. You'd, you'd harden them, a string, and you try and smash the other person's, you know. So anyway, you'd have to climb trees, get these, get these conkers down, or you'd have to like, you know, we'd get apples or whatever, you know, climb trees, shake apples, you'd, you'd eat apples. You know, there was always something associated with a season. Yeah. In the in the in the winter, we'd we'd snowball fight, we'd build sledges, with those are the sort of things we'd do. And trust me, people wouldn't get hypothermia because you got cold, you went inside. It's not it's not as if again we should be trusting ourselves as a family to go. Yeah, you know what? It's we've had enough now. Let's go outside. You know what? It's too hot. <laughs> you know, like let's let's keep cool. So yes, don't let the elements get in the way. Dress appropriately. Stay safe. Wear sunscreen if you have to. You know, wear enough layers if 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 you have to. Use indoor indoors as your playground. So if you remember the adage that play is not the activity, it's the attitude. 
Mm-hmm. Your playground is wherever you are. Wherever you are. Mm-hmm. Wherever you are. I love it. No, that's great because I I say the same thing is really the majority of the time, it is perfectly safe to be outside. There's very few times when the weather is so extreme that it's dangerous. Hydrate, dress appropriately, you know, make sure that you're paying attention, but really it's fine. Go outside. But if you can't go outside, play inside. You can play anywhere. That's awesome. Yes, 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 yes. yes. Whereabouts are you? I'm in central Washington, Washington state. So actually where I live, it's a high desert. So we have pretty mild weather most of the time. It's really Mm. enjoyable here. But of course, I think it's just one of those things that culturally and as parents, we start to get really worried and the schools have these things. They can't go outside if it's above this or below this and all this stuff, you know, liability. (laughs) But then I think that over time it's made parents get worried, but really I'm not worried. I think that. We need to go out and play and, and yes. experience all of that. And, and again, I think, I think probably the last thing to add in relation to that is there is, a, there is a wealth of knowledge stored within all of us mm-hmm. that we can hand down to our kids. Childhood songs, childhood games. There are so many games and traditions that are going to be lost. You can use some of those moments of, you know what? These are the games we were able to play outside when it was snowing. Let's play some of those games together as a family mm-hmm. where we can control it and make sure that it's safe. And, and again, with some of the other seasons, you know, when it's raining, you know, as an adult, if I got one, I, I felt as if I was, I don't know, made out of, of, of salt or something like, oh my gosh, with one raindrop, I think I'm going to melt, you know, oh my, oh my goodness. You know, <laughs> and, and it's actually... Again, when you were a kid, think about what children do when they, saw, when they see puddles for the first time. They want to jump into them. They want to get muddy. They want to get dirty. And, and again, it doesn't mean that you have to always do that, right? But every now and again, I think we should enable that for our kids. And maybe adults should do it too. You know what? Take those overalls that you'd be using to decorate your house. Maybe put those on to go outside and thrash around in the mud for a bit on a rainy day, right? You know, and, have, and, and laugh and, and have some fun and show your kids that it's okay to let your hair down once in a while. And again, we're not going to do this all the time, kids. This is a one-off special, <laughs> one-off event. But, it, but those are the things that you're going to remember. As, you know, I remember those moments from my childhood and some of those things you'll never be able to reclaim. And unfortunately, many of our kids now I mean, just think about it, and I implore the listeners, how many of your kids are going to be talking in 30 years' time, I remember my first swipe on the iPhone. I remember when I, I, you know, opened that box and I saw this tablet machine and I could, no, no, kids aren't going to be talking about that. The technology is going to advance so much, you know, these devices are going to be like Luddite items. You know what I mean? Yep. <laughs> you know, so, 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 but the experiences of playing outside with my parents and we built this snowman and no one, no one else was outside. Everyone was cooped up indoors, but we did this and we built that and it was all, we built our own igloo. It was just incredible. And we, you know, then we came inside and we were like around the fire and getting warm and hugging each other. And like, those are the moments that people will cherish forever. And I think, I think that should be the, the, the takeaway is build playful experiences. Mm-hmm. They help us to bond. 
they help us to socialize they help us to to improve our relation our relationships and and certainly those are the things we'll carry with us and those are the things hopefully we will want to share we'll want to share with our kids yeah oh that's so beautiful i love it great message. So this has been really great to talk to you today. So much great information. I think it's just, just so inspiring too, as a parent to know that it's okay to let loose and play with our kids, that it's actually helpful for them. And for us, it's going to benefit our health, our bodies and our brains. So this has been so great. Please tell us how we can connect with you and what services you provide. You showed us the cars, you talked about the cars to the listeners that they can purchase. What other services do you have? Yes. So um, you can find out more about my work at my website, primalplay.com. Um, so that has uh, a lot of resources, uh, free downloads. I have a free ebook on the importance of play. I also have a free animal move sampler, so you can try out some of some of my fun animal moves for, for yourself and for yourselves and your families. And um, I also have lots of research. So if you're interested in, in the science of movement, I have that sort of stuff. I, I have play psychology stuff. Uh, I have lots of stuff in relation to to why movement is beneficial for us, why movement is medicine. If you want something a little bit more formal, I do have a best-selling book called Animal Moves, which talks about how humans have almost lost uh, have lost touch with our capability for movement as animals, mm-hmm. uh, and 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 why we're driven to be sedentary now in the twenty first century, and what we can do to reclaim that. And there's a bit of a sprinkling bit of a marination of play throughout throughout that book and finally i have e-courses and other materials uh, for people who want to do playouts at home or in their playground of choice as well so yeah that's that's what's available my social media handle i'm known as the fitness explorer so you can find me on, on instagram on twitter on on youtube and if you do go to my instagram page all I can say is you'll definitely see that I'm a big, bit of a big kid. So, um, yes, I love movement. I don't particularly love uh, exercise. And I do whatever it takes to remain youthful and full of vital- vitality. I hit my big 5-0 this year. And, and I can honestly say that I, I feel like almost like Benjamin Button sometimes. I just feel this like incredible surge of energy and and vitality and and exuberance Uh, and i I just want to help people kind of harness that i suppose regardless of your age regardless of how you're feeling we can certainly feel better in an instant through play that's wonderful well i have a story to tell you this is really funny i don't want it to go to your head though okay but anyway (laughs) I'm, i'm doing research about you and i don't know if you realize there's a page on the internet that says you're 27 years old (laughs) <laughs> have you heard this? Do you know this? Okay. So, yes. But I was like, okay, yeah, he's 27. You know, I've seen your picture. I was like, yeah, he's 27. No problem. But I'm reading through your website and it said that you grew up in the seventies. And I'm like, wait a second. <laughs> One of these did not match. Cause obviously a 27 yeah. year old did not grow up in the seventies. So I'm like, no, but he looks 27. And so then I started going through your Instagram and I'm like, how old is this man? Really? I I need to find out how old he is. And so 
I come across the page of your birthday, which was recently, and it has yeah. 50. And I was like, he's 50. He's not 27. But can you believe? <laughs> then I was thinking, wow, play really does keep you young. This is another reason why I need to play because you absolutely do not look like you're 50. And you could have passed for what the internet was saying that you were 27. Wow. So yeah. for everybody listening, especially to the moms out there, because I know that we're interested, you know, keeping our skin young, we need to play more. This is our excuse, not just for our kids, but for ourselves to keep ourselves yes. young. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> Definitely. It's the, it's, the, it's the closest thing to the elixir of life, I would say, is, 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 is playing. And, and, you know, I suppose a good, a good end a good, a good, another good takeaway is to think about, look at any, look at any mammal that you can think of and think of their most expressive, capable selves, right? Humans are probably the only mammal who will look at the youngest of their species and go, I wish I could do what I could do back then. Mm -hmm. Other mammals are going, heck no, as an adult, I am the most capable, functional, powerful, full of life and vigor that I'm ever going to be. You know what I mean? That, that's, that's how they feel. So, so the, the, the last main takeaway in terms, of, in terms of us being adults or kiddults, I should say, is that that raw essence, all of that nervous energy and wanting to explore the world and being curious and being playful, we should be manifesting that as adults in abundance. Mm -hmm. that's, that's available to, to all of us. So it demonstrates that most of our transformation into adulthood is mindset. Yes. You know, oh, we should be slowing down. We should be taking it easy. You know, oh, I don't feel great. So I'm just going to stay in my chair. I'm just going to sit here. I'm just going to lie in bed. I'm just going to kind of, yeah, I'm just going to slow down because that's what expected of me. But you see people who live long, healthy lives. They have that spark. They have that glint in their eyes. Mm -hmm. They have a purpose for living, which is not just about their offspring. It's about the zest for life. Yes. There's something else out there. There's, something, there's more that I want to learn. There's more that I want to see. And I think play is what is kind of the catalyst for that. So yeah. if you look at it that way, yeah, it's great for the skin, I believe. <laughs> it's great for anti-aging. But I think it's it's just it just gives us some vitality. Yes. And whatever problems you face, I lost my mother recently, for example. Mm. And and believe me, it, it's I didn't want to play. You know, I'm like, I didn't, I just didn't. Want, you don't want to do anything at all. But the moment I found a few seconds to play, of uh, being able to have a bit of laughter, thinking about my mother's beautiful smile, and thinking about her sense of humor, that made me realize there's play right there. Mm -hmm. You know. That's play. That's something she's given to me. That's something I can harness and hold on to, to. And I want to be. I want to do that for as long as I, as I possibly can. So there's some positivity to end. I love it. To end the session. Well, I think everybody has their call to action for the week is go out there and play and start practicing more playfulness in your life if you've lost that sense of play. But I think that's what we all need to do is play ourselves and be a role model for our children so that they can continue or relearn how to play themselves. 
So Daryl, thank you so much for joining me today on Veggie Doctor Radio. You are a true inspiration. I am so grateful for your work. I can't wait to continue to see what you do out there in the world and how you're bringing us more joyful movement. So thank you so much. Oh, thank you. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you so much for being a great host. And have a fantastic day. I hope that you enjoyed today's episode. Thank you for tuning in, and I look forward to having you back again next week. A very special thank you to the band Rocket Surgeons for permission to use the broccoli song. To find out more about the Rocket Surgeons, please visit their website at rocketsurgeonsband.com or Facebook at Rocket Surgeons Music. Please subscribe so that you never miss an episode. Also, all of my social media links can be found in the podcast description. Send me a message and let me know what you think of today's podcast. Sharing is caring. Please share, rate, and review my podcast and drop me a line if you have ideas for future episodes. Thank you once again and have a plantastic day. We're having broccoli.